Be careful or he may point his lens in your direction. It's media activist Jay Baker on tonight's Fabulous D Show. No revolution needed. We're already here. And it all starts right now. I never saw a place like this in my life. And that's why I always say I'm the first superstar, because who the hell is left? I might not have been the first, but there's nobody from back then who's still, you know, sitting in front of their computer so fervently, because I still am. I'm just looking up a lot of synonyms for fabulous. It's such you get. Once you start, you can't stop. You know, it's like fear. That's why this program is for anyone with a brain in their hands. But somebody found a potato that looked like Elvis, and then like a week later, somebody found, I don't know, a breadstick that looked like Jesus. What's wrong with people? And most serial killers run around, you know, oh, they thought they were God, they thought they were Jesus, so, you know, they go out and kill 10 or 20 or 50 people. Ninety 90% of all that does not contain or pertain to you, yourself, your life, distractions, also known as landmines. Oh, that sounds fun! I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. Do you mean really? Really? Anyone who wants to scare the shit out of a Catholic, all they have to do is, you know, create some kind of, you know, revelation. Always from the right state of mind. Can I say that on here? Is this really necessary? What people don't understand, what people don't understand, what people don't understand, I see Welcome to the Fabulous D Show. I am the Artist D, and on tonight's show, we welcome back a very old friend, the media activist himself, Mr. Jay Baker. Welcome to the Fabulous D Show. Uh, Hello, thanks for having me. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been a while. It has been a while. I I was back on the show in the old days, back before you really made it big. I know. I I did some research, and you you have not been on the last two seasons, so really, our new listeners don't know who you are. Ah, hopefully they'll know who I am, and hopefully they can uh, understand what the hell I'm saying and what I'm talking about. I think so. They're pretty good at this, because they're global. They're everywhere. And for those of our listeners who have only been tuning in for those last two seasons, we should tell them, who is Jay Baker? What does he do? Tell us now. Ah, that's a good question. Well, I'm a media activist, so um, I basically use media to uh, engage in forms of activism. Or I cover activism through media, uh, whichever way you look at it. I also run a uh, non-governmental organization, a non-profit company called Science Breaker Media here in Britain, uh, trying to get people online and uh, making their own media to vocalize issues important to them. So trying to stay, uh, well, trying to keep hands in in different pies, I guess, Mm. if I can say that. Hands in pies. No, we like that. Yeah. And and you have been around quite some time media activizing on the internet how long has it been oh it's probably actually about 10 years since i really got to grips with it all i think oh yeah that makes me feel old you and i (laughs) we're like go way back yeah we do i don't know how far back but way back i'm not sure either yeah so how how has silence breaker media grown and where is it today because because back when we started it was just this glimmer in your eye it, it was it was a glimmer in my eye and um yeah it kind of i was out in canada for a while um uh and the idea came what came came about while i was over there really um and then came back to britain and really got things moving and it feels feels good to be back in my old stomping ground mm-hmm. i'm in uh, in sheffield in south yorkshire and they call it the the people's republic of south yorkshire because it's it's quite a progressive block here in Britain, so I'm quite privileged to be uh, in such a switched-on area where this shit can really stick, really, I guess. Right. 
Absolutely. So what is it today? What have you been up to with Silence Breaker? Um, we're really uh, trying to develop it. Uh, I mean, we're trying to have a physical presence here as well. So we're, uh, we're attempting to develop a, a media lounge and a kind of a drop-in center for people to attend and, and just get to grips with their own me media and help people to use media, you know, from the grassroots up instead of the corporate penthouse down kind of approach, mm -hmm. which is my main passion, really, enabling people to to vocalize things they don't normally get to because a lot of people don't don't really have a voice, you know, apart from... Uh, protest usually you know and then even then it doesn't get covered so that's the idea um, and we're just doing a lot of projects which we've been fortunate enough to raise uh, a decent amount of funding for to, uh, to to get people engaged in that and also rebuilding their own uh, computers and just getting the, the skills and the tools to just run with it long term so now, now would we, this we be, sort of collect computers. would this be a physical Sorry. place where everyone could drop into it will be, yeah, as of just after the new year. So, so it's uh, like a media can, activist uh, library. Yeah, that's or the cafe. idea. Yeah. Media activist cafe. Absolutely. You, you, you're one step ahead. That's, you need to serve things, yes. <laughs> that's a fantastic idea. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> now you're here for our post-politic show, or perhaps we should call it a faux-politic show as those are the regimes that we, we really wanted to cover tonight, the faux democracies in the States as well as Britain. And we've just had, as you may have heard, another fabulous faux election in our States here between our two only parties, Obama versus <laughs> Romney. Now, living outside of the States, but still plugged into the political media like you are, what was the climate out there as what was going on in here? Um, well, it's funny because, you know, I think uh, hopefully in, in a lot of countries uh, uh, it's the case. But in Britain, we, we watched the American election very closely. There's a lot of coverage. There were people um, staying up all night. There were events taking place all over the country watching it. And, uh, you know, I don't see how people can't do. I mean, even like the global economic crisis, it's always been the case of when the United States catches a cold, the rest of us sneeze. You well, know, yeah, so it could be the end of the world. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be more than a cold. It could be a, a, a real virus or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you're on your ed ed edge of your seat. And of course, I imagine, well, what were your opinions or, or the masses opinions of, of each candidate or um, the main I mean, candidates? I think over here in Britain, I mean, it's, it, the majority of the British people, even those that are sort of a little bit uh, small C conservative types, um, they, they tend to um, they, they tend to root for the Democrats over there, really, just because by comparison to the Republicans, it seems quite quite out there. You know, a lot of the, especially the sort of um, real kind of fundamentalist Christian stuff. I mean, even though we have like the Church of England and the head of state, the Queen, for goodness sakes, which is, you know, really, <laughs> really old school and really Very. quite, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it, it, in spite of that, it's quite, quite a progressive country, I think, um, as is the United States, really, even though that may not be reflected a lot by the politicians over there. But yeah, I think the majority of people were sort of saying, well, if it's anybody, let's hope it's not the... Uh, the Republicans. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. And we've always had this sort of phantom third party, and and now we have several parties. But still, in my opinion, it, it's you know we're not really there yet with even recognizing those parties. Although you know it seemed we got a little bit more mad, and you know <laughs> America wanted another party, and they got a few more parties, and now it's not as embarrassing to be part of those parties. But it's still pretty much those two parties. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a, a, a long, slow, sort of agonizing process of trying to gain momentum for some of the smaller parties. Um, and um, I think it was uh, Jesse Ventura, love him or loathe him, but he made a comment saying that you know it, it's quite shameful that that really the states has a two-party system. That's two choices, one more than you know communist Soviet Russia sort of thing. So <laughs> it's quite a quite a poor kind of, as you rightly said, really a, a faux democracy. And it's you know w we talk about democracy, but really uh, are we really there yet? You know, in Britain or the states for that matter. You know, that's it's. Um, very difficult to to call it that when when the choices are sort of Pepsi and and Coke, you know. <laughs> and, and that is kind of when you put it in those stark terms of you know two is is only one step away from one, and you just don't think about that. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty uh, pretty ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, in order for for any country to have a real healthy democracy, you should have a a whole you know. Uh, plethora, a smorgasbord of choices, I'll say. Yeah, you should, you know, it'd be great to think that there's a real choice from the full spectrum of sort of political, uh, you know, uh, choices out there, the political parties, and, you know, whether that be really, you know, quite, you know, horrifically fascist or really, you know, socialist or whatever, at least there's some choice and some some choices of parties in between those, you know, I, that I'm kind of that of that way of thinking of the you know I'll I'll fight for someone's right to say whatever they want even if I disagree with it you know and it, it'd be great just to at least think that there was a lot more choices than just sort of two sides of the same coin. And we've got all these people out here. I mean, it would be just an amazing race. I mean, imagine the, the tension there if if like we had. I mean, we've got a lot of parties right now, and if mm-hmm. everyone was voting actively in all of them. It would be quite the squeaker. I mean, really close. Yeah, I mean, I'd bring it back to the importance of media in that as well. You know, that just the fact that if, if you know, if first of all, you'd have to take the money out of politics, you know, where you don't just go around buying elections. Uh, and, and secondly, you'd have to have, in order to, to fuel that as kind of healthy democracy, you'd, you'd have to have media coverage of all those political parties all fighting on from sort of an even uh, footing to begin with. Uh, you'd have to have, you know, media that's covering all of those. I mean, there were really, even in, you know, in the States, I watched both the British and the, and the American media coverage of the election, and you'd just think that there were really only two parties. I didn't really see very much uh, coverage at all of, of anybody other than Obama and Romney. No, that's, that's pretty much it. We, we don't see a lot of that either. And, you know, something I was thinking strongly this last election was it does serve a purpose. And, you know, my grandparents said it a hundred years ago. It's about voting for the good one, you know, the lesser of two evils, not really the one that you want. I mean, they, they might not represent everything that you want. And that's why I voted was lesser of two evils. And that's, I think, why everyone does. And yet there's this little voice in the background every time saying, you know, that's not really the point. And that shouldn't be the point. And then there's like this revolutionary idea, and we flirt with it every time, every four years. And some people think, you know, four years is the only time we have elections here. And it's like it's never going to happen in a safe electoral process as far as revolution and what the people really want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting, uh, interesting question. I mean... It's it's very similar, really, with what's going on in Britain, where more than more than ever in my lifetime in Britain, you've really got a choice between re- red and blue uh, in our country, and and it's you know it, yeah you vote for the sort of the the lesser of two evils or the evil of two lessers, um, and you know and and you think in the back of your mind, like as you said, you know that this isn't really what I'd, what I'd really like to have. Um, and it's, you know, it's difficult. I mean, I guess it's about sort of keeping that revolutionary thinking alive and, and doing things outside of the system as well and striving for something better while still accepting that, well, for now, this system exists. I'm going to choose the, the lesser of those two evils. And we're seeing so much that it's, it's those, you know, I mean, we're, we're voting, and that's what I don't understand, and maybe you can shed some light on this for me. The, the rich Republicans, I mean, they, they stand for the rich people. I mean, that's pretty much their platform. And yet then you see these poor, poor people with, you know, the, the bumper falling off their car and, you know, their house is in foreclosure and they don't have a job and they're voting for him. And what, yeah. where does that come from? And, and I mean, is the, I mean, they're all they're both two rich parties, and they're hardly ever going to look at that little guy. But w- mm-hmm. what is that mentality of of that person, especially the Republican poor person? Yeah, it's an incredibly fascinating study in sociology and economics, really, isn't it? In 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 terms of how they very cleverly divide those people uh, and have them blame their own you know, impoverished desperation on other people around them. So if they can pitch it as well, if you if you don't vote for us, they'll they'll take away your right to to you know carry a gun because you need a gun to protect yourself from those other people, not us because we're wearing suits and ties and we're quite respectable, you know. And laughing at you. Keep, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> laughing you know, at I the think, same time. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, while giving them a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other, and it's you know giving them giving them things like that to 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 get behind. And I think it's you know you keep people afraid and 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 divided, and then you can kind of control them. And if you, if you keep them afraid of things greater than yourselves, they'll probably keep voting for you. And I mean, I'm I'm bringing it down into really simplistic terms in 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 that in that way. But th- I mean, there are many issues around around uh, whether it be uh, immigrants or you know, you know, uh, terrorists or people threatening to, to, to remove God uh, or religion from the political process or God forbid, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that is pretty much it, is divide them and conquer, I guess. And you see the same thing. I mean, it's pretty much the same setup. How many parties or popular parties do you currently have in your system? Well, that's really interesting. I mean, at the last election, we had legitimately really three major parties um, and a coalition has formed now between two of those parties which we, we didn't necessarily anticipate really? so now you've got a choice between really two factions um, and again it's it's not really a healthy democracy in that sense especially when the ruling party the conservative party huh, what a what a beautiful name that is you know they make no bones about what they stand for you know they, they won only 36.1 percent of the entire vote of those people that actually did bother to vote, and it wasn't wasn't really many people, comparatively, you know, when you compare it to the population. So they only really got a minority of votes, just because a lot of people stayed at home and said, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to bother voting. Um, and you can understand sometimes why people feel that way, but the problem is now you've got a, a, a man who's a multi-millionaire, um, is is related to royalty. He's been chosen by the palace um, <laughs> from day one, pretty much. His only background is in public relations, and he's calling the shots for a country that didn't really choose him. So Britain, <laughs> Britain certainly can't point the finger in terms of democracy no, anymore. That sounds just like us. <laughs> Incredibly so. Worse. <laughs> in in fact, even worse, since you do have that that whole monarchy queendom kind of thing hovering over. You know, you guys, you go out and you vote, but yet then there's the queen. <laughs> exactly. She's just chilling, and she'll not go away. <laughs> exactly, and that's a really good point. Is that you know. People still, you know, it's like uh, a soap opera for the British public, really, the royal family. But but the way that that, that it's structured is that you have the House of Commons, uh, again, w- wonderfully named and goes back to the sort of, you know, the old feudal system, really. You've got the House of Commons, you have the House of Lords, and then you have the, the palace itself. And only one of those is elected by very, you know, uh, dubious processes. So really, that's, that's two out of three that certainly aren't democratic processes. So Britain is... Is is really lacking in a in a healthy democratic process, absolutely. No, it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like there is much uh, democratic process there at all. As far as I mean, who's who is making who makes most of the decisions in that structure of, as far as lawmaking and other such? Are they elected or are they just up there? Well, I mean, the, there's what they call the civil servants, who are kind of the people around the elected politicians, but. But the, the way that the system works is that the, the way that the sort of chunks of, of Britain that, that get added up into certain votes and, uh, and, and the, it's very complicated. I'm not going to go into it right now, but, sure. but it, it's, it's, worth, it's worth looking into. It, the, the way that it's structured is that it's inevitable that certain people are always going to get into power. Um, and and they, do, they do make the decisions based on their you know, elected position. But um, again, the, the, the palace could theoretically and does sometimes, you know, kind of uh, overrule a lot of that. And, and ultimately, the, the queen is the head of state, which is ridiculous. This idea that, you know, because, you know, Britain has this idea that, you know, oh, you know, we, we should separate church and state. You know, a lot of British people harp on about that. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big debate in the As States. As do we, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yet you've got the Queen who is, who is essentially considered, you know, blue-blooded, closer to God than the rest of us. You know, even the anthem is God save our Queen and everything. You know, it's, it's such a, a horrible, outdated system and really, you can't really call it a, a, a healthy democracy at, at all. But, you know, the people who make most of the decisions are the politicians. But really, you know, that they're, they're like I said, they're elected under very dubious circumstances. And save the queen. Fuck everybody else, but <laughs> exactly. save the queen. That's what's always bothered me, is that, you know, as long as we all sing to save the queen, you know. My <laughs> God. Really 
<laughs> and it kind of brings us right around to those that are ignored here and there and, well, everywhere. But it's that, that 99%. And yeah. I think you had it there as much as we've had it here. Did you have that whole um, 99% uprising sort of deal or, or was that us? Yeah, yeah, it was here too. It was it was really big in a lot of the major cities. It happened here in Sheffield, and I I, I went and spoke with the people who were in the camp and everything there. And and interestingly, we, on that subject of the whole church and state thing, uh, a lot of the people uh, for the Occupy movement were camping out on the steps of St Paul's Cathedral in London. And the people uh, uh, in charge of the cathedral uh, were, I think, I think the. Um, one of the men said something like, oh, well, if Jesus was alive, he'd be camping out there with them. This is his cause. This is his movement. You know, this is everything that's supposed to be Christian and good about the world and, and righteous and moral, whatever the fuck that means. But, you know, <laughs> this, is, this, is, you know this is a good thing. Um, and uh, a lot of those people basically lost their jobs in the church. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was like quite a leading figure, who was actually saying a lot of progressive things, he's now been uh, uh, replaced. So even in the church, you know, there's, when they speak out in, in support of the Occupy movement over here, even those people are replaced. Um, wow. And it's still simmering, but, um, yeah, the movement seems to be uh, fizzling a little bit, at least you, from what you can tell from the media coverage, that seems to be the case. Well, they certainly got bored. I mean, as soon as they couldn't pick on anybody <laughs> anymore, they, the media pulled right back. They, they had no interest. Yeah, especially here. I mean, if you weren't camping out and, and taking up public space, God forbid, and they couldn't come down and, and point at you, I think that's that's that. You know, and, until there is a revolutionary cause, as far as you know, ones they're actually making a lot of noise about. I'm not hearing a lot of noise myself over here. You were one of the first people that comes to mind that I saw with a Guy Fox mask on. Ever in in our entire friendship and and of knowing each other before Occupy existed, back in the day, I seem to recall that of you, and, <laughs> and I think you we you and I both were loyal believers in in V as far as you know that whole movement and that what it did stand for, and I don't know about you, but it's kind of it's it's kind of sickens me now. <laughs> does it does it you? I mean, they, they've kind of defaced the mask. How do you feel about where they've taken that movement? <laughs> it's really interesting. I, I guess yeah, like the whole the whole V character from V for Vendetta and and Alan Moore's book that was made into a movie and everything that was all all raised kind of really important issues and and was written in the nineteen eighties when when yeah. Thatcherism uh, was was uh, <laughs> dominant in Britain and Thatcher was buddying up to Ronald Reagan and everything at the time and. You can tell that a lot of that came out from that era, and and he went to the Occupy uh, camp um, in London and and said that he was he was fairly proud of of what they were doing with it, but um, but yeah, it has kind of because it's taken on a whole life of its own now because it's it does sort of represent well almost whatever anybody sort of wants to wants to place onto the the mask as a symbol, I guess, um, and that, yeah, that's the point of the story, I suppose, that symbols are given power by people. But, um, but yeah, I was I was I was wearing a, a mask when it wasn't cool. Exactly. So was I, and I was like such. And that's why I watched that movie back in the day. I think you you kind of led me to it, and it was just amazing to me. And and I thought, you know, if only people really took this to heart, and then they did. And I don't know, I don't know where they took it. And and a lot of you hit on the perfect point of of what kind of enraged me was I mean kind of the the reason for it was anyone could put a symbol to that mask and that cause and it was for everything and everybody but I think that in turn ruined it because some people started putting some ridiculous things upon it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's it, it's it's good on on one hand in in that it's been been used, but not necessarily in the way that you kind of think of when you see the movie. You think of it being having more direction and focus, and that has been the main downfall of the Occupy movement. In fairness, is that they haven't really, you know, it's it's wonderful to have that kind of idea of no leadership, and uh, but with what comes with that sometimes is no direction, and and I mean, I think the the mask was first used. Um, by groups protesting the Church of Scientology. That was when it first really started being used by protesters on the street as a, as a collective, which is, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm all for, you know, 
sometimes making fun of organised religion, be it Scientology or, or any other. But um, but I'm not sure that was necessarily what, mm, what it was no. in mind of, of somebody like Alan Moore when he wrote it. <laughs> no, not at all. Can you, do you think, personally and, and in your media activism, think that a group of people can be led, well, can can be led without leadership, basically, because that's what the movement was. I mean, they wouldn't pick a leader. They, all the camps had no leaders. Can they get along like that? Could anything ever be done like that? Um, I, you know, I'd like to think that that's possible, but I, I personally think that, that, you know, some form of, you know, given the society that we live in, it may be just that we're used to hierarchical structures and, and, and leadership and, and things like that. That may be the case, but be that as it may, I think it is therefore helpful to, to have that, to have a focus. And, you know, even if you're just electing a leader, it's that you've got some spokesperson that things like the, you know, the massive media monopolies at least have somebody to actually speak to who actually represents an organization rather than just pick anybody in a mask or something you know, who may not well reflect the opinions of a movement. You know, I think you've got to play the game quite carefully sometimes and, and often the, the movement fails in that way. It's, it's a wonderful idea and I really hope it can work and, I'm, and I know there are many examples where it does work very effectively but I do think that it can be very useful in this in this age, to, to have some form of leadership. And when I saw the, the especially Occupy um, Now, or, or Anonymous, I think I'm more, more talking of Anonymous here, mm-hmm. um, in this side of things, of it, it got a bit watery with the, the videos that they'd post and, you know, the promises that they were making as far as, you know, they were going to do, you know, something on some date and it was going to be big and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just through in the entire movement. I just saw that they, they kept doing that. And it's like, you know, not that I want them to do something terrible and tragic and huge. <laughs> but if you're going to go on YouTube and post a video saying so and, and get the FBI to track you down about it, for God's <laughs> sakes, don't be, you know, eight years old in, in your parents' basement smoking weed. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, there, there are some very. Um, ambitious ideas uh, that, are, that are thrown around and uh, yeah and often it is it is a, a kid in the parents basement isn't it uh, you know and unfortunately you know messing with things I mean it, you know over here in Britain we had a, a couple of kids um, basically they went on they weren't even representative or even involved in that movement but they went on Facebook um, when a bunch of riots broke out over here last summer um, you know mainly sparked by the police and some of their actions um, and these kids sort of on Facebook and said, oh, let's all like have a riot or something, something like that, while they were drunk. And then the next morning, <laughs> apologized and removed those statuses that they had saying that, you know, let's, let's have a riot. And then they got arrested and sent to jail uh, for it um, <laughs> for, for a considerable amount of time as well. So it's, uh, it's funny how <laughs> kids that, do, that are actually harmless enough aren't, you know, uh, they're actually harmless and being punished for it. It's exactly. <laughs> ironic. It, it is, and and on, on the plus side, though, I mean that is a. I mean, of course, they've always had a good point as far as as far as the overall look of it. I mean, I, I don't know when when it all boiled down to their their smaller points. It could come and go, but maybe it is a good thing. I mean, if if humanity could possibly join hands enough within this kind of group. And B, you know, we have no leader, we all are the same. It makes it more confusing and possibly that makes it better for the leadership fighting it. Because, you know, that's what the news was baffled by was, well, who is your leader? Well, we don't have any. And it makes it a little bit harder to fight a group with no leader if everyone, you know, it equalizes. That's a good point and, and it, it works. But if only it would work. And I don't know if it will. Yeah, it is. It's very tricky. I mean, there are, like you say, really good advantages to that. Um, and uh, I mean, because the downside of it is when you have a leader, like sort of WikiLeaks did in Julian Ooh, Assange, exactly. and then he's become this like uber celebrity now. Like what we did to him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's the problem with that as well. Is that you know, on one hand, he's he's sort of you know targeted and and uh, marginalised and martyred. But also sort of celebritized as well in a way, and it becomes WikiLeaks. Really, most of their most of their activity now appears to be sometimes, you know, sometimes to be about more about Julian Assange than what they were originally 
currently doing, sure. and a lot of their leaks are not actually, you know, as impactful as some of the some of the stuff they were doing around the military a, a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it's tricky. It's very it's very tricky, and and uh, it's, it's you've got to strike that balance, I guess. It's also a case of anonymous of who they're targeting. I mean, if they target you know someone like Amazon for some sort of reason that Amazon are uh, you know are supporting some corporation uh, or, or indeed are a corporation that are, that are uh, in opposition to Anonymous. Um, a lot of people use Amazon and buy shit from Amazon and you're going to be pissing those people off if you attack a website like that. So you've got to be careful about who you target and how, I guess. Do we need a revolution? Uh, I think um, I think we, we whether that revolution is, is uh, a peaceful one or not uh, is is the is the issue? That's I'm not a good sure question. If, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think re, I think revolution uh, ought to be peaceful, but then I suppose it ought to be uh, causing the least amount of distress and upheaval to ordinary people. In which case, it probably wouldn't be a revolution. Right. So I guess I'm. It, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of that more. that trickle down chart of you know should we have a revolution? Yes, it should be peaceful, and then. Um, it would would that solve anything? No, you know, it, it, <laughs> what, depending depending on on what's going on, but it would be great. But that's the the problem is that people are so comfortable, they're, they're not mm. they just don't feel, and they need to feel, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think that I just don't, especially after the entire ninety nine percent movement and all that. I, I just don't feel that they're capable of doing so. I mean, I'm certainly not going to to be revolting anytime soon. I don't know about yourself, but... <laughs> well, you, you know, you could never be revolting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is the thing. I mean, a revolution would cause so much upheaval and is usually, uh, you know, as you point out, most of the successful revolutions have been violent in a lot of ways throughout history. But it, are we in the, in the sort of comparatively privileged, developed Western world at, at a point yet as, as peoples that we need to to get to that point, and I don't think we are. I think they, they keep tweaking the valve just enough to give us something mm. to be okay or feel some sense of hope or, you know, give us a uh, bloody X Factor or something or whatever. There's, I don't know. There's still DirecTV <laughs> and, and Christina Aguilera is back, so hey, we're okay. Exactly. So maybe the revolution can wait until <laughs> after this, this series is ended. <laughs> I'll be right there, guys. X Factor's on. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Procrastinators of the world unite exactly. tomorrow. And and that's what I continued to repeat. I think that was kind of season four. Is, is I was on repeat. Anytime that came up was, it's great. If only they'd get off the couch or, or stop going to work. But no, they had to go to work or they had to go home and eat dinner. And they had to live their lives. And they, they weren't willing to sacrifice that. I don't think they're going to be willing to sacrifice that. <laughs> exactly. It's and, not exactly yeah. czarist Russian. Just, yeah, we're, not, it, we're not exactly waiting at the bread line. Because so. that does seem to be what fuels it. You know, the, the government has taken away the happiness of the people, but it hasn't done that. And it won't do that because it found X Factor. And it, it got, what's his name? Simon Cowell. The, the gods gave us Simon Cowell. So why revolt? When, when that's so revolting in itself. My God. <laughs> now, who really is, is who is Europe's current leader? I mean, I know you have so many, but who was the the rich guy that was just voted in? Ah, the, well, the interesting thing about Europe is so it's so um, largely disjointed. I mean, Britain is is always having a, a fight about whether we want to be, you know, very much involved in Europe or not. Mm -hmm. you, you know how involved we are, and and it's funny because you you know a lot of people I'll I'll go to a different country and they'll talk about I'll start talking about Europe and they'll say well you're European and I'll go oh am I I didn't realize I forgot you know it's mm. like in Britain we kind of forget that That's we are Europeans slope. and that we're in Europe you See. know and we are in Europe as as a you know an entity we don't have the mm. euro we don't have the same currency and all that kind of stuff and coming from so, America of course we just think that a Britain person is. European and that Europe yeah. covers just the UK. We forget. It's kind of a big area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, now, really, the, the, the Germans have major influence. The French also, but, but oh, the Germans God have really the Germans. been calling the shots in terms of the, you know, the finances of Europe. I've heard the Germans are doing very well. 
yeah, they, they, they pull things around, although they're, they're probably, you know, uh, again, the global economic crisis is now just spreading across Europe. Mm. And, and a lot of the countries like Spain and Greece and Italy, are, you know, and Portugal are suffering so much. And the Germans have been calling the shots, but a lot of people are unhappy with, with the, you know, what they're saying. So there's a lot of uh, things up for grabs in Europe right now and it could really go either way. You know, it could be we could have more of the same way we have more more economic instability and more upheaval in that sense or or there could be time for a different way of thinking where we start taxing the banks or taking some money back from the ultra rich and helping people out who are struggling. But there's a real battle going on and it's very interesting yeah, we in all the We just tried to do that it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> take from the rich give no it's ours god damn it it's ours and yeah so and i so i do admit i, I did just ask a stupid question i said europe's current leader i did not mean that i meant britain's current leader well you know it's it's legitimate anyway in terms of of the european union you know of countries right. that, that there are different um leaders elected as well in the sort of European Parliament and and then you've got all the countries themselves that are all big players uh, some more than others so it is it's not it's not uh, simple by any stretch of the imagination the, the European structure is very complex and it's Definitely. very confusing to the point where I'm sort of skirting around it now because even I don't know what the hell's going on and and you kind of bring up an, an interesting tangent you, you said you don't use the euro and but yet so the the currency there's a euro currency but then you use the pound right yeah yeah and then exactly. but, but you live in Europe it it's very i mean <laughs> exactly you see what i'm saying and i guess that's just like the the political structure is is it's all over the place yeah it really is yeah it's it's totally right and that's what confused the hell out of people and that's why we have this kind of you know uh identity crisis i think at the moment um you know, I mean, not as bad as Canada's. Obviously, they've had a, an identity crisis <laughs> since they were, were created. You know, they created a country and nobody showed up for it. So, you know, that's that's uh, that's a shame. But yeah, but you know, in, in Britain, it's kind of this thing of, well, are we European? No, we're not. Well, what are we then? We're certainly not a major empire anymore. You know, and mm-hmm. and that's been the United States since the Second World War. Okay. You know, so things have changed. It's it's tricky. It is, and and we are. Well, we were uh, that leader that power and are we are we anymore uh you know it's 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 not looking good i think i think the one thing in 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 our lifetimes that will will probably be remembered for this era is that the sort of you know decline of the american empire really i think that 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 began probably within the last five or ten years um with with sort of bush and the war on terror and the, the massive deficit that it created by, by financing that, um, and then the global economic crisis, and then the emergence of all these other countries, the countries that, that nobody really saw coming, such as, you know, Brazil and China and India, and, you know, they were, they were right there, and nobody ever noticed because we were too worried about the Middle East. Right. And, and that's, I, and I, I'm terrified to think that, you know, I mean, because we still have, we're still America, fuck yeah, and... <laughs> And when, and we still have that military, and we we definitely have that military. I have no doubt. And <laughs> it's if if anyone challenges that right of of prowess of dick size, as far as country dick size, I just think it's going to be like taking candy away from pardon me, but a very 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 fat baby. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to get very, very upset and end up blowing off like half of the earth just because, wah, we're, we're not. We're not the leader, but we are the leader. So there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's disconcerting, isn't it? Think of it like that. It, that, it is. that, you know, there are all these countries, you know, a, a lot of them very much, uh, you know, emerging major players now on the sort of the world stage. And for all that we say that we, you know, we get these idiots elected into power that somehow they all keep their damn fingers off the switch and you know <laughs> thankfully they do but you do kind of worry that that one day someone's going to do something stupid like in the the 1960s Cuban missile crisis right. where people start to lose the plot a little bit and things got a little <laughs> bit 
uh, tense for a while there, you know. And, and it, so it's, yeah, it's disconcerting. And it comes to me especially that this is the only kind of truthful point that really comes across during elections, especially lately, and, and with Obama his his conversation was always you know he wants to get back to the education and and he wants scientists he wants mathematicians you know someone who's actually saying this is is quite unique anymore in this in our cultural landscape and it it kind of makes me think that that we are kind of the the country that fell asleep at the at the buzzer because we just kind of, we got good, we got great, and then we just kind of dropped it. We didn't keep producing the scientists and all that, even though we have in those certain areas, and we've come a long way, but it does look like we're a lot educationally stupider. <laughs> and and of course we have the, of course we've gotten bigger. So one could argue that you know, it's just population. We still have just as many smart, amazing people who will grow up to be doing smart, amazing things in this sea of madness and stupidity because there's just more people. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what to true. say about that. Yeah, yeah and it, it's such a diverse culture as well. It's such a, an, an amazing uh, country, the United States, in that sense. And, and I think, you know, you make a good point about sort of falling asleep, uh, you know, I think it may may be connected to the sort of downfall of the sort of both in the in Britain and the United States of the sort of the manufacturing base. So when when all these companies thought, well, okay, we we've made a lot of profit, we're all fat and rich and everything, that's great. But how can we make even more money? Let's let's just outsource it all to places like India and China and get them to make it on the cheap. They'll give someone a bowl of rice a day and they'll be happy. Right. Shit, let's do that. You know, and in the meantime, you've got these then suddenly emerging economies where those people are demanding more, and uh, as they're making more, um, and 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 we've become countries built on debt. Where if you know, at least Henry Ford, he was he was paying people the right amount of money so that the, once they left the factory, they'd buy one of his damn cars. You know, whereas if you're not paying people enough, if or if the jobs aren't there, they're not going to buy. No. I mean. I know this is really basic common sense, but it should be at least. But, but that, yeah, that's, that's the, the thing, thing, you know. And that's so we've got these emerging economies, I guess, globally. Exactly. So if we did have a new superpower suddenly, miraculously, out of the blue, who would it be? Who's who's next in line now? Oh, I think it's time to start learning Mandarin or oh, one of the many dear. bloody languages that the Chinese speak. I can't keep track of, of what the major language is now over there. But yeah, some form of Chinese. Uh, I think that China are. Um, uh, whether we like it or not, probably going to be um, the dominant force in the in the decade to come. It's looking that way anyway. Do you think that that they're going to you know kind of kick us in the shins and and start some some shit? <laughs> that, well, that's that was like sort of my fear at first, but but from all from all accounts, they're they're not really interested in anything that doesn't really make them some money and they're not really interested in getting too involved in things I mean you know in, in terms of you know military action um, you know I think they'll stay out of things you know as so long as they, it doesn't really threaten them directly I think you know someone would have to pose a direct threat to China uh, as, as a nation uh, to kick off anything right. like that which um, is good. I'd hope so, anyway. Yeah, me too. I, I just, as far as I go, I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place, but yet it just seems China is just this own little planet on their own. I mean, I don't hear much from them. They, they don't seem to hear much from me. It's just, <laughs> we're just kind of, nobody's from there listens to the Fabulous D show. Uh, I'm sure they do. You know, there are some Japanese, you know, in, in Japan and stuff. There are Asian countries in that area, but... Um, not you know not a lot from China, and and yeah. same with the, just the media atmosphere of it. I just don't <laughs> you know I don't hear you talking about China much either. Just not much <laughs> well, to say. That's the thing as well. They just do their thing. They wouldn't really uh, they wouldn't really be allowed to uh, listen to your show in China, True. would they? Let's as I was it. saying that, I'm thinking, well, I'm probably blocked or something. <laughs> You'd definitely be on the block list. Good. You'd probably be at the, near the top somewhere. Near the top. <laughs> He's talking about us. Shut him down. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting blocked right now. Exactly. And and speaking of of earlier, you mentioned you know we were involved in the Middle East and all that. What what is your take on that right now? I mean, isn't that I'm getting a little tired of it. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it's. I mean, we we were we've always kind of 
the West have always done sort of more harm than good where that's that's been concerned really for the last 50 or so years um, and and the war on terror just seemed to make things a lot worse where everyone started arming themselves up to the teeth you know of going well shit that could be us next let's let's get some nukes you know which is probably what you're going to do if you look at places like Afghanistan and Iraq you're going to think shit that's not going to be us next is it you know let's arm up lock and load kind of thing um, and that would happen to anybody if someone had gone in without any international authority, uh, you know, flouting all the kind of laws, international laws of going into countries and invading them and bombing them back into the dark ages, then, you know, you're going to think that. And so we've, we've made this, uh, and really this entire region a more dangerous place, uh, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, the, the sort of the Palestinian state, which has shrunk and, be, and, you know, had its land taken, really, by just a few select idiots in the Israeli government. You know, Israel's a great country full of great people. But then you've got a government that just acts so irrationally and talk about wiping, you know, wiping the Palestinians off of the planet and things like that. And it's just, you know, we don't need that shit. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it seems we've beaten the feathers out of the whole subject and issue over there. And, and it, will it ever you know, is there ever peace in the Middle East? Good God, I, I never want to be quoted saying that. But <laughs> are we ever away from that? Will we ever focus on something else? It's always just, you know, helping the people or, or, or bombing the hell out of them. Yeah, it does seem to area. be the thing, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, it does seem to be sort of like you go back to like the whole Iran-Contra thing when that was a big deal and you had Iran versus Iraq. In the in the in the eighties, uh, and then you had Gulf War One, and then the sequel, Gulf War Two. It's like a really bad movie franchise. It's like you know, exactly. how can we get how can we get more money out of this thing? You it's know, Middle East. Is, it's like country. a Rambo movie. <laughs> it, it is. Maybe that's all they're really doing. Is that some of the some of the people in Hollywood have got some sort of deal, and they say we need more material. Just exactly. make it somebody with I don't know dark skin because we can sell that easier. Yes, know. and now Osama is back as a zombie. It, it, it just, <laughs> Ooh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, not at all. And I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> I'm really, buying a ticket now. Exactly. I guess there's really at the at the moment there's really nobody else to pick on. Easy, you know, they're, they're the Middle East, they're always like that kid in school, you just get picked on a lot. Yeah, exactly. Not, they really are. You know, it's so easy. They might There's fight so back, many... but you're holding them at arm's length, and it's like, huh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, holding them by the head, just as they're swinging wildly at you. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to do anything to anybody else. I mean, we've already, you know, Germany, they're, they're doing fine, and we don't want to kick Russia, because, I mean, Putin rides bears, for God's sakes, so... <laughs> Good God. <laughs> uh, you know, there's always Canada. Exactly. Well, but they'd be like, come on in. You know, nobody's here. Nobody's here. <laughs> Nobody else came. We, we invited everybody. <laughs> it's increased the numbers a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. They'd probably just invite you into their homes and say, you know, if your troops need somewhere comfy to stay. Exactly. You know, be like the Montreal Olympics all over Please. again. Bring your prescriptions. We've got drugs. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> So, so what is your opinion as as media activist? You, you are a professional media activist. What should we really be scared of, other than the boogeyman in the closet that, that Bush wanted us to be? What what really is is on our landscape that we should be terrified of? Oh, just the media in general, absolutely. The media yeah. itself, perfect. Yeah, totally, yeah. I think we should be scared of that. I think that's the the one that is the biggest problem with, with pretty much you know, bloody everything out there is the, the way the media package it and sell it to us. You know, and the, the fact that it's all in the hands of just a few select people, be it Rupert Murdoch, Conrad Black, or, uh, well, not so much Ted Turner anymore, but, but, you know, all these kind of, you know, media moguls who have, you know, these tycoons who have all this money. And, and basically that's like sort of, sort of trickle-down effect of one man's opinion, you know, across thousands, you know, hundreds or thousands of channels. Or stations, you know, and that's, I think that's frightening to think that we, we just switch on the TV and most of that is controlled by a few people. And it's so level and just blah, it's just out there in, in such a way. I mean, in the, in the, I look at it and it's like, are, are you people kidding me? It's just not real. <laughs> it's yeah. not real at all. It, it's prepackaged. It's, it's stroking their common, you know, white picket fence bullshit. I can't believe people understand that as truth. It's not mm -hmm. at all. 
Yeah, I mean, having having been to uh, the states and and lived there briefly, um, I was astonished by how different the actual country is compared to the the states that you see on television. It's really not like that. I actually kind of liked the real United States, you know, <laughs> but the, the the TV didn't seem to show that at all. You know, it just seems like this other world. They didn't. If you know, I don't know if I can see that better as an outsider or you know i'm sure people do when they come to britain see how disconnected we are you know as a culture from what's portrayed on television but you know it really struck me how how completely different it is really from from the country that it that it actually is and that's why i'm really thankful for for the internet not you know all, always but especially now and and the show being in europe and and all over and it's like it is that glimmer of hope that there is, you know, it's not like that because I can't imagine a, a common Brit watching TV not online and their opinion of, of us. It must be quite weird and, and skewed and, and hor- probably horrifying when they don't have this outlet to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why media like this is so important and so crucial, even for just the concept of democracy, to to get a flow of communication going and to get different ideas out there. And that's what is great about the internet. You're right. Because also it's largely, well, uh, I better check my watch because like it is for now at least largely unregulated. I know they're trying to get their dirty, greasy hands on the internet now as well and trying to Put in place certain controls on that, you know, speed it up, slow it down, depending on how much you're prepared to pay. Get your stinking but, paws off me, you damn <laughs> dirty <exactly>. apes! <laughs> Can you imagine if they got their hands on the fabulous T-shirt? Oh my god, I'd be clawing and screaming. <laughs> it could be, you know, they may try and co-opt you, you too, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and next on the fabulous D show, Rupert Murdoch. Now. <laughs> So, That's the sound right now. You could That's never, it. and you could never control me. I'd be like, "So, Roop, what's up?" Mm, yeah, so, he just looks like such a dirty old man. I'd be too inclined to dig, dig and dig. He so, does, doesn't he? No. He's always looked like that. I, I can just, I picture him in his boudoir with his Playboy magazine and milk and honey and tea. And, a biscuit <laughs> and a silk robe slightly open you know it's not a picture it's horrifying probably with a medallion around his neck as well. <laughs> exactly gold chain buried in his fur it's very very true and very scary so i suppose we're, we're in edging into december here I suppose 2012 is not the end of the world then. Oh, uh, you know, people are going to be—they're going to be reliving the the Y2K problem, aren't they? When they when they you know the clock strikes 12 and they all go, oh shit, um, we just bought loads of shit and stocked up our fridges and bunkers for nothing, or you know, it's all it's all okay. It's you know, the, I love the fact that the Mayan calendar, which just didn't extend past that date. You know, so it, it didn't actually predict the end of the world, but it just they didn't bother writing yeah. that far ahead, I guess. Neither would I. You I get tired after it. a while. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My hand hurts, and you know, not for any good reason. But you know, <laughs> there's been writing calendars for people for years to go. I'm going to be dead then anyway. I'm going to give up. You know, when we reach 2012, fuck it. Someone know. came in and they're like, you know, what are you doing, Charlie? He's like, well, I'm on 2012. <laughs> what the fuck? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Go live you your know, life, man. I bet the guy that did that had obsessive compulsive disorder. Exactly. No, like I've got to keep going. I've got to get yeah. to 2012. Just, I'm going to do like, it properly. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to keep going. Just, no, Charlie. One stop. more. One more. Why? Why bother? <laughs> go. Go to the bar. Go live your life, man. Just get out. <laughs> no, the Mayans sound like a pretty cool people the, when you put it like that. I imagine they were. Or, or else, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, well, what else is there to do? <laughs> you could be, you know, mulling corn or something. You know, just keep writing the calendar. <laughs> My God. Exactly. Yeah, it's something to do, isn't it? You know, that's how they got to 2012. You know, give them credit they got that We're far. Bored. Exactly. So now your first, I think it was your first feature film, was about Sheffield. What was it called? Um... Well, yeah, my last one, Escape from Donkatrass. Donkatrass, yes, 
Yeah, exactly. which is a prison, uh, right. Doncaster prison, but it's nicknamed Doncatraz. Yeah. Exactly. And and that was about that area. And 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 since that movie has have things changed. Um, not really. I mean, we kind of had a you know we've had a change of government, but I'm I am planning. I'm working on at the moment a a follow up to that movie, imaginatively entitled "Return to Doncatraz." How very unique is that? That is very good. yeah. I'm quite proud of well, that. You one. Know, it well, took me a, a long time to think of that. Don't but, reinvent uh, the wheel or anything. Exactly. No, I mean, I probably spent almost as long, you know, thinking of that name as the Mayans did writing that calendar. Probably. <laughs> Just sit there by candlelight going, right. okay, I've got it now. Emerge from right. the cave, you know. Right. Well, what are you going to call this one? 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't exactly. the last one 2011? Yeah. So. <laughs> That's exactly what they wouldn't expect us to do, you see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And they're like, no one would ever follow this. Come on. <laughs> For that long, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've... I've uh, so I'm return to Dunkatraz. When, when is that, you know, have you started? Is it just in its infancy? Yeah, it's in its infancy. I'm not going to start shooting until next year, I think. Uh, it's... It's going to be released just in time for what's expected to be the next British election in 2015. I say expected to be because it could change at any time. We're even making that up as we go along. When should we have an election? Ah, five years. No, four. No, three. Ah, three. Five. Okay, five. But it's expected by most people to be in 2015. And the movie is about kind of growing uh, sort of the right-wing ideology in, in a lot of the mainstream British politics uh, and in the government right now, which is largely considered to be the most right-wing government we've had since the Second World War. Very, you know, old-school conservatism, nuclear family, all that bullshit. Oh, God, you, you might know, as well have just resurrected Thatcher or something. Exactly, yeah. How scary is that? <laughs> as scary as, as Meryl Streep playing her. <laughs> That's true. That oh. was terrifying. I was quaking. That's awful. No, what were you thinking? I know. Any any new books for Jay Baker coming up? Uh, you know, again, right? Why reinvent the wheel? So I'm going to do like a revised edition of my first book, soon to be banned. That's that's the title, soon to be banned. Hasn't um, oh, hasn't been banned yet. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It still hasn't been banned. So I'm going to revise it. Would that be the follow up? Hasn't been banned yet. <laughs> Followed by the third edition, still waiting. <laughs> Hey, I think you might be honest. I like it. Yes. Please pass some of that money my way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I will do. I'll include you in the royalties. You'll be getting a check. Thank you. Thank <laughs> For like one pound yes. or, or a euro, uh, depending on what we decide well, to do. Well, sometimes it's more than I make on my own books. That's all right. <laughs> Absolutely. So your, your next film coming out, you know, in, in many years, no new books yet. And your previous books, which are available, which was Pissing in the Mainstream, and yes. soon was it soon to be banned? Was that what it's called? Or? Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that I can actually be on a show where I can say Pissing in the Mainstream, because it's on the iTunes store, and they won't even include the title properly. It's just like P and then asterisk, 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 right. like in the mainstream. It wouldn't even include the full title because it had wow. the word pissing in it. So That's it's so amazing. great to be uncensored for once. Oh, absolutely. You know, any time. <laughs> You're welcome to come on and be uncensored with us. <laughs> Fantastic. And we can find everything about you at mediaactivist.com, a wonderfully designed website. It is. A fantastic Still, job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I know. And you're, you're Twittering away and Facebooking away. You, we can get it all through mediaactivist.com, I assume, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. So this this is pretty much it. I think you've made our evening. I think we're a little more enlightened now of the cultural landscape of politics in the world. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I, I hope that people's IQ levels didn't drop as they were listening to me. Hopefully not. Probably not. I think I think they survived. So we should definitely visit you there if, if anyone has any media activist concerns. I mean, what, what do you do for people? What do you offer? Uh, I can help them uh, set themselves up in terms of social media or if they want to get involved in any alternative media, I can point them in the right direction with that. So, yeah, any way that I can help people make media and have a different voice to the sort of corporate media tycoons, that'd be great. A media maker, and we love you on The Fabulous D Show. Thank you, Jay Baker. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. And we will talk to you again, hopefully not in another two seasons, but sooner. (laughs) Anytime. You have a good night. You too.
And that was media activist Jay Baker. It's the Fabulous D Show every Sunday at 7 p.m. EST, 12 a.m. GMT, streaming live on Rainbow Mix Radio, simulcast on Transtastic Radio in Europe at transtastic.com, and downloadable at the moment at adult.outloudshows.com, iPodable, everythingable, until forbid, always on theartistd.com. A big thanks to Brett Gleason for our theme song, and again, Jay Baker for joining us tonight on our faux politic show. Do you have your guns and your graffiti and your gender? Well, if you don't, I recommend you obtain. Your world is melting, so express yourself to death. I am the Artist D. Good night.